1: slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, a fun fact. This podcast was actually born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. Yes, that is before Substack was even born. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too, especially if you like this podcast. It is a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to... Truly anything that excites us, like an Instagram post we saw and just can't stop thinking about. We send it every Monday, except for some holidays that we take off, like same people, and it is free. Sign up at a thing or two HQ.com. Okay. Here's the show.
2: Welcome to a thing or two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur.
1: And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two and sign up for secret menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content. To
2: share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. A buying things update. Yeah, a buying <laughs> things update, review, meditation, contemplation you know, consideration, some consideration, some, some ways of buying things that we've been thinking about lately for your consideration, buying things Mm. for your consideration, shopping in person
1: for your consideration, shopping in person. Actually, you know what? This one I will take further letter of recommendation, shopping in person. It's great. It's we both have done some in-person shopping recently. Mm -hmm. I have learned Mm -hmm. it is a joy. It really is a joy. Like, I feel like I've been kind of down on shopping and especially on the things I was finding while shopping on the internet. It just mm-hmm. felt like a slog. It yes. just felt like not very inspiring, not very exciting. Mm-hmm. Like every now and then, of course, there was something that'd be like, well, that's special. That's yeah. cool. But like the act of
2: shopping, I was like, do I even like it anymore? Mm. Like, is that, do I even enjoy it? I mean, I love shopping online and I love shopping in person, but they're two fundamentally different experiences from start yes. to finish. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. And I think I'd just gotten so accustomed to the shopping online, which is like a process. And it's like spending time and doing, and, you know, in a lot of ways, like doing research and like seeking things out. And at least I think in the way that you and I do it, it's not very compulsive and it's, there's like very little surprise. It's like just very going down a rabbit hole, like going through the process that you're going well, to it's like get to, to find your answer.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it's research oriented. That that to me is the biggest difference. You start with like, I need this specific thing. The only way to online shop really, and is to say, decide I need this specific thing. And then to go through a process of looking for that specific thing. And it's very rarely, are you surprised or very rarely do you end up buying something other than you thought you were going to buy? I sadly, quite sadly, I feel like the closest we come to approximating the sort of Broad discovery of in-person shopping, where you would like walk down the street and go in a store and discover something that you love and just really want to bring home, is like Instagram. Totally right. Like that's that's the closest I can think and of. It's
1: just really hard to say nice things about Instagram. It's really hard.
2: So instead mm-hmm. of doing Instagram, yeah. go to a store. I mean, there's a lot of like just really basic things that are nice about it. I, the first one for me is just both the logistical and environmental mess of packaging and shipping and all of that. Shipping is- and receiving, shipping yeah. and receiving. We have like a little caddy
1: in my house, mm-hmm. these like, hay plastic crates. And yep. Thomas calls refers to that area. We now call it shipping and receiving because it's like, the, you know, it's where things go. Yes. It's where they come
2: in, they go out like, and, and well, there's like, everybody's outgoing. had this experience yeah. of like, since the pandemic, everyone has had to contend with so many boxes and shipping materials and taking up so much time and space in their house. And it's just, it's just straight up annoying to say nothing of the like larger impact of all of it. And I spent a while in LA in January at my parents' house. And because LA is just a different type of town and you can drive and where they live is close to shops. I don't think I ordered a single thing online and it was so nice to like, not just not deal with the packages. It's so nice. It's so, so nice. The other thing I will say that I have realized is a major thing for me in in the difference between online shopping and in real life shopping is a lot of times when I buy something online and it ends up in my house, even if I'm not that excited about it, I end up keeping it because it's already in my house and it's a bit of a hassle to return it or it's just like, it's here already. So it's like, I guess I own this thing now. Well, you don't want to be a bad host. You don't want to be a bad host to this thing. So it's like, I have had to, try to shift my mindset to when something arrives. And this is most often with clothes, but with other things too. ask myself, like, if I was in a fitting room of a store, would I take this thing home? Or am I just going to keep it? Cause
1: it's already here. I think shopping online is a little bit like married at first sight or something Oh, where it's like, it, you've like, you're t- you feel very tethered to this thing that you mm-hmm. you don't even know like you've never yeah. you've like never even interacted with you've never even had a date but then this thing comes into your house and you're expected to just like have it a little
2: bit forever wow it's yeah. fine and you're like it is perfectly nice there's nothing wrong with it but are you excited I always think of there's this quote that I saw on cup of joe once that it was like the test of whether or not you should buy the clothes is whether or not they make you want to do a little dance and I think that's so true And I also think we need to try to apply that to our online purchases. When you open it, does it make you want to do a little dance? If not, send it back. You don't need to own stuff that you just feel fine about. I have
1: told you about this episode of
2: the Ezra Klein podcast I've listened to.
1: (laughs) And it was an interview with the novelist Ruth Ozeki, who we both just love and Mm -hmm. and think is amazing. And she's been Um, on this podcast too. She's been on this podcast. We beat you to it, Ezra. Classic us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And her new novel is called The Book of Form and Emptiness. And it talks a lot about things. Like mm-hmm. things are a central character really yeah. in the book. And one of the topics that she and Ezra discuss are are just like ownership of things and mm-hmm. like this this urge we have as humans to like want and desire and uh, seek to acquire things and how there's a shift that happens once you own a thing where, you know, y- your relationship with the thing changes. It's Mm -hmm. no longer this like wanting and desiring. It's this like caretaker Mm -hmm. role that you're playing all of a sudden. And you have this responsibility towards these things Mm -hmm. once you own them. And that makes it like less romantic Mm -hmm. because you must care for them and you must like possess them. But I think when it comes to this like online shopping versus in-person shopping, there's just something different about choosing in person. Like you're choosing it. You've like met this thing. You know it. It's not married at first sight in that way that it's like, oh, you, you know, like I've just seen you through this like screen.
2: Well, you also left your house to go get it. Like you you had to put in a little bit more effort, right? Totally. You know, and you touched the thing. Like you said, you went out on a date. You got to know it a little bit more. Yeah. It really, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before that I return a lot of stuff I buy online and that also is an environmental and like retail, economic retail disaster. But the flip side of that is if we are in a position where we have to buy most things online for whatever reason, are you just acquiring all of this shit that you don't want? Yes, and yes, I do yes. think, you know, these things are so specific to where you live. Right. And a lot of people just like can't access things. And, and even like I said, like in New York, it's a lot harder because you're not in a car to, you know, schlep stuff around. But I do think if you can make the effort to leave your house and go get a thing, it's ultimately a better experience. The other part of it
1: is that If you don't do it, then less and less places are going to exist. Well, that's,
2: yeah, exactly. And that's why we,
1: which we're right. Like it's just creating this cycle of, you know, well, people aren't shop, people are shopping online and not in person and Mm -hmm. thus there are no shops. And then you keep doing
2: it to the point where there's no place to pay paper towels in your neighborhood. Right. Right. I mean, oh gosh, we got to do a separate episode on groceries and, and that, and the whole like 15 minute grocery warehouses. It's a whole Mm. other thing.
0: Mm. But the other Mm. thing
2: that like, speaking of the joy of groceries is the difference between shopping for a specific item, going on Fresh Direct and saying, I want mustard versus- placing going, the reorder for yeah. the same things every week or whatever it is. Yeah. Versus going to the grocery store, looking for mustard and discovering this incredible, like weird mayo, mustard, ketchup, condiment mix that you didn't know you needed and it's changing your life. Like I just, that to me, the discovery is- such an exciting part of shopping in person that is really hard to replicate online because you are always looking for a green shirt, short dress, a grainy mustard, whatever it is. And it's just really hard for the internet to replicate that experience of discovery. Thank you so much to Attitude for sponsoring today's show. Erica, have you gotten your Attitude sheets yet?
1: I did. They just arrived the other morning.
2: What color did you get?
1: I got like white, like pure white. I don't know. I just, I had been going back and forth on different colors and patterns and whatever with with bedding over the last mm-hmm, couple of mm-hmm. years. And I'm in back in like a pure white moment. We'll see how long, you know, we'll see how long I can keep them pure white, but that's my own thing.
2: <laughs> I go through that cycle constantly. And I decided that um, our guest bed needed new sheets and I was mm. just going to go for it with pink. And part of the reason I was like inspired to go for a color was because Attitude has so many different colors and so much good stuff to choose from. And I have to say too, it's this bamboo fiber, like blend that they use. And I felt like it could work with the pink because even though it kind of, it's like a silk, it's a silky feeling material. It's not super shiny. So no, I didn't feel like it's it doesn't be be like- have like a
1: sheen in the way exactly. that some, some sheets do.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can t- it looks really smooth, but it's not super shiny, flashy. And in general, I will say that like this formulation, this bamboo formulation that they have, feels just so nice. And it's like, I'm not a silk sheets person and I don't want silk sheets, but this has the smoothness of silk sheets without being like, I don't know, kind of like weird, like sleeping. Yeah. So much. So much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, what really sold us on attitude was that it was one of Oprah's favorite things, AKA one of Oprah's thingies for when she comes on the show and wants to talk about her thingies. Oh my
2: gosh. I feel like she'll (laughs) want to talk about attitude. This is a woman who knows how to live her best life. And she knows that attitude is one way to live your best life. A hundred percent made from the world's first clean bamboo fabric.
1: Attitude sheets are softer than silk, sustainable as hemp, and use 500 times less water than cotton sheets. They're luxuriously silky and get softer with every wash. Just ask the 15,000 customers who gave these sheets five stars. And if you're someone who sleeps hot, know that attitude sheets are breathable, moisture wicking, and hypoallergenic. Also, they keep you comfortable all night long. Etitude is better for the planet. Clean Bamboo is responsibly sourced and made in a closed loop system that recycles 98% of the water in the process. Plus, all of Etitude's products are climate neutral certified. You can try any Etitude bedding with their 30 night sleep trial. If you're not completely satisfied, return them for a full refund. And right now you can get 20% off your order plus free shipping when you visit Etitude.com slash a thing or two spelled E T T I T U D E. dot com slash a thing or two. This is Etitude's best offer, but don't wait. It's only for a limited time. Order today for free shipping and 20% off your order at Etitude.com slash a thing or two.
2: Thank you so much to Jem for sponsoring today's episode. So Jem are these, um, they call them multivitamins because they are whole food multivitamins, basically, which... Appeals to me in a lot of ways, but also because I just feel like vitamins are such a mystery to me. And you're just like, sure, I'll take this thing. I'm sure it must be good. What for is me. it? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But like, seems like it's full of lots of good things. And when you're eating it as actual food, like these things are kind of almost like granola bar bites or something like, but you can see, you can read the ingredients, you can see the ingredients. And it really feels like it's not such a mystery. Like, oh, these are actual Food ingredients in this thing, not just powders and like stuff. Things you would otherwise ingest. Yes, exactly. Which is just nice to know. <laughs> and it feels like my body also knows how to ingest these things mm. because it's food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. That's right. Nearly 90% of Americans are nutrient deficient, and Gem solves this issue by filling the gaps in your diet with daily nutrition in one delicious bite. Gem believes in eating your vitamins because food can't fit in a pill. It's not a snack and it's not a vitamin as you know them, capsules, pills, gummies, etc. It's real food, you know, the stuff your body knows and loves designed to make you happy and healthy. Gem is the first multivitamin you eat, not take. Nutrient-dense bites designed to replace your multivitamins and complicated supplement routines in the form that your body understands and digests best whole foods free of synthetics, artificial ingredients, added sugar, soy, gluten, and animal products. It's just good food plants only packed into a bite. Gem is made up of a blend of over 15 whole food ingredients that give you all the essential vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, superfoods, prebiotics, and probiotics to address our modern lifestyle needs and key deficiencies, helping with total mind and body support. If you want to check out Gem and try their seasonal favorite citrus ginger daily essential for yourself, we have a special offer for the a thing or two audience. Go to gemvitamins.com slash a thing or two or enter a thing or two at checkout for 30% off your first order. That's gemvitamins.com slash a thing or two for 30% off your first order. Thank you, Gem.
0: Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality?
1: There were two experiences recently that made me realize that I like shopping and like shopping in person. Again, the I will start with <laughs> the like less ridiculous one. Yeah. Which is I was in Soho a, a month or so ago and just like bopping around a little bit. And I went into the real real store and it was bumping. Like it was just so many people like really like just like, like in the racks, you know, like really like, and like pulling things out and showing their friend and like in that like classic, like going shopping way. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the, because of the kind of store that is, because there's only one of things because, you know, you don't know if somebody else is going to scoop it up. Like it does have that energy that is almost, that is just like inherently more vibrant than going to a different
2: kind of store. They also, I haven't been to the one in New York in a while, but I recently went to the one in LA, which is like not, I mean, it's a size of an apartment store. It basically is a department store because they have home, they have men's, they have the kids, everything. It is impeccably merchandised. It is wild how well it is merchandised and when you think about the fact that they don't know what products they're getting and there's only one of things and still somehow they make it look so good it's really a feat like whoever Claire, is doing it is at the top of their game totally
1: and i think on top of that because of because the merchandising is so good the experience of shopping it is so different than shopping the real mm-hmm. real online mm-hmm. um, which is an experience i actually enjoy and you and yeah. i both look at you know sets of brands and follow that kind of stuff on the real real but this i go and i'm like looking at sections of a p- clothing and just like discovering things, which is not something I'm doing with an e- the e-com experience and like not something yeah. I do in the e-com experience most places.
2: No, no. I, my e-com experience of shopping is so clicking off the brands I know and like on the filter it's page. It's Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's a bit arduous. I mean, I really wanted a dress to take on vacation, never found one, but it was just clicking through pages and pages of dresses sorted by price until I got to a point where I was not willing to spend that much. Like right. that's depressing way to go about it. And right. By the way, like it's, two, d- it's,
1: a bit joyless. it's a
2: bit joyless. It's a bit joyless. Also like the irony is not lost on me that two women who started an, you know, e-com company are railing against online shopping, but you know, well, but, you know, I, I think we were trying to do something
1: <laughs> that and we, didn't yeah. feel that didn't feel quite like clicking through 10 pages
2: you're, um, with, you're
1: with, with, with varying degrees yeah. of success, with varying yeah. degrees of success. No, you're sure. right. The other experience I had recently was mm-hmm. on my vacation. I had an afternoon in Milan and I am blessed with a husband who thinks that shopping at interesting concept sh- stores is fun. And like he doesn't love shopping in general, but he appreciates like sh- shopping as like he appreciates like fashion as like. An cultural interesting cultural tourism. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, fashion mm-hmm. is cultural tourism, mm-hmm. and so he like likes a multi brand retail experience. Mm-hmm. And Milan has some good ones, including Ten Corso Como mm-hmm. and Milora. And these are like you know these ideal experiences, right? These like beautifully designed spaces, racks that have like a mix of brands that you know you're not shopping in like this designer section. right? Um, right, right. You're getting like these interesting colorways where you're getting like a rack of like, oh, this like beautiful yellow with like this tan and just like seeing that that's like a direction that they're pushing. And you just get that sense that you're like browsing and discovering things. And you get salespeople who, especially I think in Italy in general, are just like paying attention to what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Not in a like what, like who are you in this store and why right. are you here and how much money are you going to spend but you get people being like oh you you held up that thing and that thing right. and so i am going to like come over and be like do you know about this thing and introduce you to something and like give you the context and a little bit of like why this is interesting or how it could be used or what you might pair it with yeah and just have the experience of like being in a fitting room and someone like bringing over a jacket and being like you could style it like this you could do that that's like very different than looking at pictures on an internet on a website I was so proud
2: that I bought so little online when i have been in LA I really liked the idea of committing and saying, yeah, like I'm interested in that just as an experiment to say, yes. I'm not going to shop online for a month and just see what I buy, what I don't buy, like how it impacts my life. And then when I really started to think about it, I thought at least in New York, I think it would be really hard to pull off. I mean, I guess it it depends on really what my needs are. Maybe if I didn't have a kid, it would feel a little bit easier Well, I think there
1: are other ways to do it too that are different like kinds of constraints where it's like, I'm not going to buy any fashion or home things Mm, mm -hmm. online Online. and just to like do that in person and say like, okay, if I need like a tea strainer or something, I will permit myself to like buy that on the internet, but I'm not going to buy like design things or
2: non-essentials. Well, I'm like, I'm just like, I needed a storage thing for my bathroom. I can't imagine having been like, I'm only going to buy that in person because I needed, I wanted to look at all of the ones that were out there. I mean, this is also the nice thing about the internet, right? Like you get to see all of the options to me. I'm more like the thing I could definitely pull off is food. I could pull off not buying any food online for like not doing any online delivery services, not doing any, you know, shipment of condiments or whatever, not doing any, <laughs> which I do you know, you and bit. I
1: both have yeah. enough condiments that <laughs> could we could survive. We could survive. We could absolutely
2: survive without new sh- condiments shipped to
1: us from yeah. another state
2: could definitely do no grocery delivery like that. I think I, I could pull off. Would it change the way I eat? Would I learn anything particularly compelling about yourself? compelling? Yeah. I don't think so. I think yeah. I would learn a lot. I, I think it would be a lot more interesting to do what you're talking about with like clothes and home goods and stuff like that and say, and, you know, and say like, what, what does my consumption look like differently? Certainly I'd probably spend less money because it's a lot harder to spend money when you're not doing it online. Another topic that comes up quite a bit.
1: Uniform dressing and like taken to its like extreme, mm-hmm. which is one fit February. A concept, a concept from a newsletter called Blackbird Spyplane by Jonah Weiner. It is like I don't know, I can't
2: like explain Blackbird Mm. Spyplane. Can you? It's like true hype beast menswear stuff with a sense of humor about itself. It's really extreme. It speaks in like like extreme slang and it like knows it's ridiculous. Like it's purposefully ridiculous. Here's what I'll say about Blackbird plane. Chris my husband was on a call for work and there was a young person on the call who had just graduated college, I think like a 21 year old. And they were talking about a brand that they thought was relevant again. And Chris made a reference to Blackbird Plane, and Chris is, you know, just turned 40. And the 20 year old was like, you read Blackbird Plane? Oh God. You just got like a hundred cool points in my book. So that's Blackbird Plane, I guess. Is what did like Chris say back? Year- I don't know if I should repeat it. I'll say it. Chris said, uh,
1: what was it? It was. You're not. You're not. No. In oh, a yeah. he said, Give me
2: cool points. He said. <laughs> he said, so and so you're not in a position to be awarding cool points. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's. But great. yeah, Blackbird's pipeline is is bro like bros who really care about John's Gorp, gorp and John's and fits. It's an outgrowth of the of the throwing fits culture. It's an outgrowth of hashtag menswear. It's definitely a palsy with the how long gone's of the world. It, it's all of that, but it's, it, it's successful. And it's a thing because Jonah is, and his wife, Erin, who, who produce it are, are actually smart and have interesting things to say about menswear and its role in culture and all of that. But it's completely absurd. Completely absurd. And very cool.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: that's that's actually the my only way of describing is so cool like that
1: so something that that they started doing this year was this idea of one fit february o f f off and the setup i'll read you and this is i I cannot there's no way i can make this sound not ridiculous so apologies Mm -hmm. in advance jonah writes I've long been fascinated by the type of person who can lock in a popping uniform and then just ride it out for the rest of their days on some Bill Cunningham, Steve Jobs, Carl Lagerfeld shit. I sometimes wish I was one of them. And maybe one day I will be. I'd like to add to this Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Holmes, who just feels like so extremely timely right now. But then he goes on. It's also because there's an element of the uniform mindset that I really don't relate to, at least as it's been enshrined in a cheeseball Grussel culture, 10 secrets of rich, productive geniuses style rhetoric, which is about trying to free yourself from the quote burden of caring about clothes so that you can focus more efficiently on more important business success win activities. And if we believe one thing here at Blackbird's Biplane, it's that caring about clothes is not a burden, but a joyous and very cool thing to do. Whereas Grussel culture stock and trade is an anidentic bozo outlook on life that we want nothing to do with.
2: It's so great. So basically in this intro email lays out like how he's going to approach one February and he gives himself a couple pieces. Like it's, it's not even layering
1: happening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they live in the Bay area, so they don't
2: need as much climate flexibility as some others might, but yeah. But then he follows up at the end of February with a recap on his learnings. And he says, I will probably never do this shit again because it drove me kind of crazy, which was just helpful to know that, you know, there are some of us who just, it's not for us.
1: And I did uh, like the framing that like getting dressed isn't a burden um, and that it's joyous and fun. And especially if you lean into that part, which yes. I feel like I've been trying
2: to like remind myself of. Like, yes, this, yes it can be those things. Michael Williams of uh, Continuously and also wrote about uniform dressing this week. And he's like, It's funny because he's also very much like a major voice in the hashtag menswear community, but he's sort of the opposite end of Blackbird's biplane, like takes himself very seriously. And this is like not funny to him at all. You know, humor in it. It's not no humor in it. No, both of these, both of these voices are ridiculous. And both of them have something useful to say and value to offer in different ways. We like them both. Yes. (laughs) And we make fun of them both. So Michael Williams writes, my view on uniform dressing is different than the Steve Jobs thing. He wanted to eliminate having to make decisions about what to wear. My personal uniform inspiration comes from guys like Mickey Drexler, Andy Spade, and Stephen Allen. My move towards uniform dressing is about finding the clothes that best represent my personal style and building a stable of those garments, which work best for me. So refine your closet to just be the clothes that work best for you and only wear versions of that stuff. This approach creates a safe yet high-performing wardrobe. That's the goal. Which again, like a framing that really speaks to me of like, right. Like, I mean, I obviously not having to make decisions appeals to me, but I think it's also that we all know that at least at a certain point in your life, there are the clothes that look best on you. And those are the clothes that look best on you. It would behoove you to sort of stick to them or it, it's like, there's a reason you're always drawn towards them right? Totally. Well, it means you also get to reject when like cold shoulder shirt is a thing.
1: Right. You get to just
2: be like, that doesn't, it's not relevant to my life. Like totally irrelevant to me. Which like, I also, it gets back to the idea of like shopping too, and why we're compelled to do it. Cause I do think sometimes I, lo- I like a trend, I appreciate a trend and I feel like I should own it just because I like it. When in fact, like you can appreciate a trend from afar without that being part of your wardrobe, right? Like, and- Well, and sometimes it's also even just fun to
1: try the thing on. Yeah, like, which totally. is a, Which is a much more pleasant experience at a store than like out of a box. And you can be like, oh, that's what that looks like. Now I know. Now <laughs> I've like, now I have a photo on my phone and that's all I need. It's yeah. like pinning it to a Pinterest. It's yes. done.
2: <laughs> exactly. I do think like we- live in this era of personal branding where we feel more than ever that we have to express ourselves outwardly in this visual way to let people know like who we are. And so you do have this compulsion to be like, well, if I'm a fashionable person, do I have to like, and people think of me as a fashion person, do I have to own X, Y, Z current trend that speaks to me? No, you don't. You know,
1: if you were going to do one fit February, and I do think I, I have to say, I think February is a really good month for this Mm -hmm. because the weather is like pretty reliable, especially where we are. Although I, although we did have like a 60 degree day in February. So <laughs> right. Right. But conceptually February makes sense because there aren't like holidays that you're really dressing for. It's not like that kind of thing Yeah, and the weather thing. But what would you wear for your one outfit?
2: I mean I do think I inadvertently commit to a, a one fit February most Februaries because it's all I am extremely committed to jeans and a crew yeah. sweater and boots and and that's that's same, Claire, the fatigue same. of February is that by the end you're like I never want to wear a sweater and boots again, but it is the only thing you end up wearing. Leandra Medine cohen recently wrote a newsletter that I didn't read, but she Instagrammed the introductory line of it, which I really agree with. She was like, you know, the ever present issue of no winter shoes look good with pants. But it's like why you always end up wearing jeans because no winter shoes look good with pants or frankly like dresses really either. So it's just like, I don't even think to wear anything other than jeans and a sweater this time of year. Does jewelry have to be the same? for this outfit? Like is jewelry
1: like part of an outfit or is that
2: separate? It's so funny because as much as I think between the two of us, I would struggle so much more with one fit February than you would, but well, I would why? have, cause I, we- I truly have worn like pretty much the same. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> well, it, it's like a black it's- or gray sweater
1: and like this, these wide leg pants.
2: Well, and you know, as listeners of this podcast will recall when, when I met you, the first thing I remembered about you was that you told me like in no uncertain terms that you only wear black, gray or pink. And that's like, you, you've always had a uniform mentality when it comes to dressing. I however, have no problem wearing the same jewelry every day and committing to a jewelry uniform. I, 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 that's what I do. I never change it anymore and haven't for years. I just always wear the same jewelry every single day with slight changes. But I think with clothes, I would have a much harder time, but I will say to get back to this, this Los Angeles trip, which is apparently really relevant to, to to everything today to set the stage, Chris and Cam and I went to Minneapolis and then we went to LA and we ended up staying in LA a lot longer than we thought, mostly because of Omicron. And I had to pack for Minneapolis and LA and packed for shorter than I thought. So I ended up living off of very few clothes for the month or so that we were in LA. It was basically three or four outfits and I actually didn't hate it at all. And it was really nice in the morning to get dressed and only have those three or four outfits to choose from. And it was basically these sailor style jeans from APC. They're called the new sailor. And then three crew neck sweaters. Like I had a mustardy yellow one, a bright green one, and a gray one. And then I had either a pair of sneakers or a pair of clogs. I will say, I really wished I had a ballet flat. Like I okay. kept looking around for a reasonably priced ballet flat to just buy. Cause I knew it would make my life easier. I, and also LA February or LA January is very different from January in other parts of the country, but of I felt great about it. I was like, I'm totally fine wearing this every day. And I, because I didn't have my whole closet staring me in the face. I had no like guilt or shame or weird feelings about the fact that I was only wearing these three outfits. It was like a little boring. I wished I had a dressier outfit for going out. Mm. But See, that's for me where I'm like, but what about the jewelry? Could the jewelry, can the jewelry mm. change? Because like
1: for me, that's like how I dress things up sometimes.
2: Right. OK, fair. Yeah, that's never like my a thing. statement. Earring yeah, no, something. that makes sense. Yeah. For some reason, that's never my thing. For me, yeah. it's like the shoe and the, the shoe is a big part of it. And I didn't have a heel or anything like that. But I think the way in which it served me is that I realized that in real life, when I have my whole closet, I still am, for the most part, just rotating between three or four outfits most of the time. I just like to pretend I'm not. So then mm. I stress myself out in the morning. So just like, a mind fuck. Yeah. And I like tried, I'm like, I should wear something different. I should wear this thing that I really like, but haven't worn in a while, then try to build an outfit around it. And then 20 minutes later, there's, four pairs of so pants on the floor. You,
1: this is why there's so many outfits. Yes, exactly.
2: Since coming back from LA, I've tried to embrace this fact that like those same four sweaters that I was wearing in LA are just the sweaters that I like this season. Thank you so much to
1: Papaya Reusables for sponsoring today's episode. When I told Thomas, the other day that Papaya Reusables was a sponsor. He was like, well, you're gonna have a lot to say about this because (laughs) you like grew up in such a paper towel household, like just such a paper towel household. And it's something I've been trying to wean myself off of for, you know, decades now.
2: I really didn't grow up in a paper towel household. I grew up in a dishcloth household and I always thought it was like gross and yucky. And then, and now my parents are big on paper towels. I don't know what happened if they like graduated that lifestyle. But as a result, it's funny because you and I both landed in the same place despite coming from separate households where we do the thing where we keep paper towels crumpled up around the house because it's like, oh, they've only been used one time and you can well, use I them think again? That's, I,
1: I do that a little. I think it's really your thing. It's my, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did it too. Do I, I yeah, I, I'm very thoughtful about when I use a paper towel now mm, versus okay. like when I use a dish towel. And it, the thing has to be like kind of gross for me to use a paper towel. But there are things that are kind of in between that Mm -hmm. the papaya reusable is there for?
2: I'm thrilled about the papaya reusables. Chris is thrilled that I'm leaving half-used paper towels around the house way less because they just actually are mimicking a paper towel versus like a dishcloth, which we all know just does not quite do the trick. So one papaya reusable towel replaces 17 rolls of disposable paper towels, not 17 sheets, 17 rolls, which is so much. Papaya reusables are incredibly absorbent, all natural dishwasher safe and 100% compostable. Once you get it wet, the material becomes really soft and it sort of feels like a cross between like a paper towel, a rag and a sponge. They don't get smelly or mildewy. And when they start to get too dirty to use them, you can just throw them in the dishwasher, which I'm incredible, incredible. Put them in the dishwasher. So each paper towel has a hole in the top left corner and they come with these cute little hooks. So after you use them to clean, you can just rinse them out and then hang them up back to dry on the hook. And they're very quick drying. So you don't get that weird mildew smell. And they're just so like effective. They're absorbent. They're amazing. You can use them in your kitchen, your bathroom. And by the way, if you are a parent of a baby or toddler, you can hang one to use specifically on your kids' hands and faces because these are all natural and so soft, and they can completely replace wasteful and expensive baby wipes. Use the code of THINGER220 to get 20% off your first order at com.
1: Thank you so much to Studs for sponsoring today's episode. So I got a piercing at Studs. It was like, late 2019, right when they opened, I was like very, like, very like, Ooh, like this feels very cool and exciting. And the branding is so like, you know, cool and young and hip and younger than me.
2: Well, I remember when you got your ears pierced there, the only other person I knew who'd gotten their ears pierced there was Kaya Gerber.
1: Well, Claire, she was right before me. Just by, and I, as she is in like- You so were in line right behind her. Life, so <laughs> many things. She's just like one step ahead of me. You know how yeah, it goes. And I we do. Also, we also both had bobs at the time and it just really felt like kindred I like spirits. when you talk
2: about you and Kaya as, as a we. <laughs> that yep. day we were a we. We, we went not to always, studs. We yeah. went to studs together, I, uh, And I
1: (laughs) went to studs that day. What? I don't know what else there is to say about it.
2: Studs is very hip and cool as evidenced by the fact that Erica Cerullo and Kaya Gerber were among the first customers. It is an ear piercing earring brand that also, by the way, invented the term earscaping, which just feels like it's been around forever or should have been around forever. Earscaping is the art and science of styling all your ear piercings and mixing and matching styles for a vibe that's totally you. Studs are safe and comfortable for even the most sensitive ears. They won't turn you green and all styles are lightweight and durable enough to wear all the time. And you can even sleep out and work in them. The studs assortment is super affordable, starting at just $10 per earring, but everything looks really premium. They have over 250 styles of hoops, huggies, studs, cuffs, and dangles, all sold in singles or pairs, so it's easy to create an earscape that's a statement look or one you keep in every day. Or if you just get bored with your existing earrings, you can style with exactly what you need for the piercings you have. They've totally reimagined the piercing experience so if you're looking to upgrade your earscape and get some more holes or just want a pro to give you some styling advice they have locations in LA, NYC, Austin, Nashville, Miami and Boston and they only pierce with needles never guns key point so it's safer and better for you We're dying for you to try them out. If you go to studs.com slash a thing or two, you'll automatically get 20% off your first order. This is their best offer. So run, don't walk. That's S-T-U-D-S dot com slash A-T-H-I-N-G-O-R-T-W-O for 20% off.
1: Okay, another thing we wanted to talk about, Mm -hmm. our friend Lindsay has -hmm. been very committed to buying made in America for products where like it makes sense and she can find like a cool old manufacturer and just like also kind of giving herself the challenge of doing it. Yeah. uh, Of like
2: at least searching and trying. It feels similar to one fit February in that way where it's like, Jonah was like, I'm just curious to see what will happen and how this will go and what I will learn. I think Lindsay's taken the same approach of like, let me just see what I can learn by trying to buy everything made in America.
1: Yes, exactly. So she, so I was asking her if she could like kind of explain her philosophy on it. And mm-hmm. she said, so my feeling is I'll buy from anywhere worldwide, but I do want to make an effort to support cool companies, particularly legacy making stuff here. The discovery research of finding the single whisk made in the USA is kind of fun. Also, I've discovered some really cool stuff and interesting facts. All Clad is made here. And so is Viking. There's this glassware company that I think everybody probably has something from Anchor Hawking. Lodge remains so incredibly great. And like one third of the price of Lake Crusade. I have more fines and tricks, but something about putting the time and effort in makes the small amount of stuff I have feel more special. It does cost more though. It's just like, I love this. Like I love the, this is the kind of like online shopping that feels fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. And yes, totally. Totally. I think it's also important to preface this with something that we've always said, which is like made in America is not inherently better. There are plenty, no. there are plenty of, labor practices and production practices that go on in this country that are reprehensible in the same way that in China, there are plenty of ethically made products and there are plenty of reprehensibly made products. So it's not about like, that inherently something is better because it is made here. No. Although there are certainly benefits to buying things that are here, like supporting local economies and keeping manufacturing a part of our national economy and not, you know,
1: not shipping things from across the world three times on container, you know, exactly.
2: Ship on both environmental impact. A lot of these things. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, but it's just like it is like a really interesting it is also just interesting, I think, to learn as as Lindsay has what still is made here and what isn't, like mm-hmm. what you can and cannot source. She has this list. I need you to like click this link, Claire. It's incredible. It's called still made in USA.com. And it is clip art like you have not seen wow um, in it, decades. It
2: certainly recalls Kate's Butter. It, it is.
1: Yes. I think it's the same, probably webmaster, but like it's by category. So you can look at toys and arts and crafts and tools and all of this. And one of the things that's really cool is that it like tells you where the company is based that makes the things. And so mm-hmm. there's like context, which is super useful and fun. You know, Lindsay spoke specifically about this like whisk that, right. that she found. And so in doing some digging, there is this like 60-year-old business in Portland, Oregon called Best Manufacturers. And there's a whole ink story about them that we'll link to. They're these handmade whisks. And they in the ink article, they talk about just the challenges of being a Made America business. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a quote, it's hard to sell a $12 item from Portland, Oregon to a consumer in Minnesota over the internet and make that a good sale for the end user. Which I think is just like these are
2: good reminders. This yep. is like interesting stuff. Well, and it's like when we all complain about the various things, it, ourselves included, that go, that like we do or do not like about the retail experience. I think a lot of us just forget that it's really hard for retailers to achieve the retail experience that all of us have come to expect. Correct. 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 And to still make a dime. Correct.
1: I need to tell you about two journeys that we've gone yes. on in my house that have been uh, um, seeking made in the US products. So one, do you know the company Libman like mops and brooms? I feel like you'll recognize them. They're like all have that green it's like that bright green handle.
2: Oh. It feels familiar, but it also it it, it it's like a very classic design. Style okay. exactly yeah exactly. okay yeah um, yeah it's yeah. like a Not, very
1: like classic broom yes. and mop like mm-hmm. aesthetic like when yes. you picture a green handled one this is like what it is mm-hmm. they're made in Arcola Illinois they have been since 1896 that is here- wild wild now here's the part that's like incredibly heartwarming there's a Chicago Tribune article that I learned this from the mayor of Arcola, Illinois, is this man, Jesus Garza. Mm -hmm. He immigrated from Mexico 28 years ago to work on the floor of the broom factory in Arcola. (gasps) He then built a successful auto shop business and now he's mayor. Wow. Don't you love it? I do love it.
2: Don't you love Libman and Arcola, Illinois? I do. I love any company that's been around this long. I like, and still making it in the same place. That's incredible.
1: Incredible. We'll also link to a list of a bunch of companies that are still made in the US. A few that like felt like interesting and exciting to me. Crayola, Mm. Zippo, Burt's Bees, Benjamin Moore, Mm. Post-It. Herman Miller. Well, I'm not surprised about
2: Benjamin Moore because it's really hard to ship paint overseas. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, Hanky Panky, I had forgotten about. We interviewed the founders for our book. Yeah. All Made in America. Yeah. Made in America underpants. Yes. Yes. It's exciting. It really is. I love that company. Yes. We also got an amazing email about shopping from a listener specifically shopping while
1: traveling, which just like felt like, yeah, like very sort of like related to all of this. And like, how are we thinking about it? Are we going to read the whole thing? I kind of think we have to Claire. I
2: mean, the subject line is really good. Should I read it? Yeah. Read it. Okay. (laughs) Subject line reporting loss of good taste in housewares when traveling help. Also, you know what? I just want to preface this by saying we don't get like a ton of emails like this, but we get like a fair amount of people expressing their neuroses to us which both makes me feel really wonderful and seen. Like people are like, you, this would speak to you, but they're I, like, they're like, I know you'll
1: welcome a four paragraph email about this. They're
2: all so long and I love it. And I just want the other people who write these emails to know you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, like, yeah. All right. Yeah. So reporting loss of good taste in housewares when traveling help. Hello, you wonderful creatures. I have listened to the pod since the beginning. I'm a former customer, and I love you both from afar. I live in Greece, but have traveled very widely and have spent long stints abroad. I'd like to think I have great taste, which has evolved over time, but I can't help feeling jealous whenever I visit someone's home who has brought back wonderful little or large things back from their travels. Why? Because no matter where I've been or how long I've stayed there, I always bring back absolute trash. (laughs) I really don't know why, but it happens to me every single time. I've never once managed to bring back something I can integrate into my home or just simply actually like out of context of whatever country I've hauled it back from. This does not happen to me with clothes or shoes. It only happens with houseware. Do I get too influenced by my surroundings and bring back stuff that's not really me? Perhaps, but I've also done the opposite. For example, after two months in India, I somehow circumvented all local influences and brought back something that seemed an unusual fight at the time, but looked totally trivial and like something I could have picked up in any run-of-the-mill European store once I got back home. Don't know what to tell you. It's been a consistent problem. I'm dying to know how you guys shop while traveling, what kind of things you bring back or buy as gifts, and how you manage not to hate what you've acquired once you're back home. Any all-time favorite travel acquisition slash conversation starters dotted around your home you'd never part with? Thank you and love your work in any and all forms. Des. I think my favorite line,
1: if I had to choose one, is don't know what to tell you.
2: (laughs) Do you want to know what this brought to mind for me? Tell me. Does, I have a very similar experience, but not when it comes to shopping while traveling, but when it comes to composing a salad at a salad bar. Like I can make (laughs) a salad at home just fine. (laughs) But if I- I never would have guessed
1: that's where you're going to go. But like
2: everything she said, I'm like, I have been there exactly at a make your own salad bar or like the thing at the deli where they make the salad for you. Where it's like, I know
1: what I like. Sweet green, you couldn't possibly. (laughs) Yeah,
2: like I know what I like. I know- what tastes good to me and generally like what tastes good together, but get me in front of one of those things where they have every a metal mixing, bowl. Like your own. Yeah. <laughs> I am fucked. And I never <laughs> like it. And this has been a problem for me since high school, when there used to be a salad bar at the cafeteria I'd always make the grossest salads. And it's like, and I truly, the don't know what to tell you resonated so much with me because that's how I thought I was just like, I don't know what to tell you. It has and always will be a problem. And I have no explanation for it. So Des, I relate not to this specific thing, but I get <laughs> a feeling of just being like, this will always be my inexplicable problem. <laughs> oh God. Oh,
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyway, back to Des. Back to Des. Yeah. Okay. Can I suggest that Des start with something that's like lower stakes where she's mm. not pinning so much like aesthetic like is it me? Is it right? Is it like this magical thing that's going to look great on like a mm-hmm. dresser or shelf or whatever that says something about me and my journey, right. whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love acquiring like truly mundane shit while traveling that are like little household items that that I'll use all the time and that will mm-hmm. make me think of that trip. Like I have this strainer that I got in Hong Kong from Muji that is—it's just an exceptional. It's like it's a strainer that sits in a metal bowl perfectly, mm-hmm. so you can put like berries in it and whatever, That's and great. it's just like yeah. it drains. Yeah, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything like it um, yep. since, and I use it all the time, and mm-hmm. it like always reminds me of that. I bought a butter dish in Barcelona, which is like a little designy, but it's yep. like not—you know—it was like oh, we we need a butter dish. Right, this is like a right. nice thing. I don't know. It's it's like it also sometimes just feels more fun. And a little bit more like you're genuinely experiencing a place to go to the grocery store or the hardware store or like the restaurant supply or like whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And to have those shopping experiences versus like the decor stores
2: or whatever. absolutely agree about grocery stores. God, I love going to grocery stores when I'm traveling. And there are certain – like this is a highly specific – tip, but in Tokyo, the restaurant supply district is an amazing shopping experience. Yes. Yes. In New York, like yes, shopping also, at the sh- totally.
1: on the Bowery is like super fun.
2: Yes. Agreed completely. I also tried to do this thing. Maybe this is a tip for Des or maybe this will work for does better than it worked for me. But before going to New Orleans, I told you that I was going to pitch this and <laughs> I never told you real. how it went. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm Chris historically has a really low threshold for antiquing, vintage shops, consignment shops, anything like that. So on the way to New Orleans, it was like, and New Orleans is known for having a really amazing antique and vintage stuff, and so I said to him, "I just had this idea that we start a tradition where, like, we tradition. together, Incredible <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> that was really what what got him, and I didn't know that that was going to be the thing. But I was like, we start this tradition where, like, together, we always pick out one vintage or antique or secondhand thing on every trip, and that's just like the thing we always bring home something antique." He just like laughed me off the airplane. It was, he was like, because that was what he He was like, I love the idea that it's like a tradition. Like, and then all throughout New Orleans, every time I'd stop in an antique store, he'd be like, oh, so we can do our tradition. I mean, it is <laughs> when, whenever, whenever you set up a
1: tradition that you haven't done once, Yeah, like at, at anyone, yeah. like yeah. you're kind of in for it a little bit.
2: I just, listener, we didn't buy any antiques. Not only that, he wouldn't come in a single antique store with me. He was really good outside. Oh yeah. Every (laughs) single one. In fact, most of them, this really was great for him. They're in traditional Southern style. Most of them had rockers on the front porch. So he just had like a rocking chair to sit in. And anyway, you could try making it an activity with. You could try starting a tradition. You could try starting a tradition. hasn't worked for me, but doesn't mean it won't work for you. Yeah.
1: Something I've started to do Mm -hmm. is making a list of things that I would like to like, like, like mostly home stuff, but Mm -hmm. like, like I guess clothes stuff too. I have like a list of like things that should I see something that like fits this bill, I would like to acquire. And you and I both have just like, when it comes to like, Pretty little decor things. I just don't, I don't really buy as much of that on the internet at this mm-hmm. point yeah. or even like shopping around New York. It's well, like really I, travel stuff.
2: I have enough of this, that stuff. And, you know, it because my age also after of because a we ran a business, yes. it sold a lot. I acquired of, so much yeah. of it. I don't need any of it anymore. So I see a ton of it I like, but I, it is really, really rare that I buy it unless it is traveling because when you're traveling, it just you, it comes home with a special meaning. That's right. Yeah.
1: right. What are a few things that you have purchased while traveling that you feel especially strongly about?
2: You know, the two things that immediately came to mind when I thought about this shared something in common, which is that they were a collection of things that I got Mm. to pick out. So one are these mismatched bowls from Hakkasan Porcelain in Tokyo, which is this incredible porcelain shop in Tokyo. I also have found it really challenging to find their stuff online. So that doesn't doesn't really exist online. Yeah. Yeah. more fun, but they have all of these bowls with all these very disparate, different intricate designs. So it was really fun for Chris and I to like have all the bowls and be like, okay, we're only going to pick 12 and which ones do we want and which ones go together and which ones do you like, you know, you get to pick one and I get to pick one. And I have that fun memory of that. And the other is similarly, these Otomi embroidered placemats from Mexico city, from one of the flea markets there where like, they're all different colors. And I put them out on my table and I think of them every time I see them, but I think of that trip. Every time I see them out on the table, I will say they're like falling apart at this point. And I've had to just embrace the fact that like, that's okay. And they're replaceable or, or I won't replace them, but they're just serving their purpose and they're living their life. They're living their life. Wow. And also you can find those ones online, but like, I do love that. I have the memory of them. Well, I mean, I do think
1: acknowledging that like you can find a lot of things on the internet mm-hmm. at this point, like like it or not, is yeah. is probably healthy.
2: Just Maybe like that's feeling- making things harder for Des. Maybe she's trying to find things that you can't find.
1: online. Right, 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 right. Which is really hard. I mean, it yeah. just they, I feel like there is this this a little bit of pressure when you're traveling to be like, Oh, I want, I want to, I want to like bring home something special. And then you're putting this like weird pressure on yourself to buy something that maybe you don't want or that isn't right for you or that you just don't need. And there is like, there's something you can like noodle on a lot of things basically Mm -hmm. and acquire them later, probably on the internet, probably from Etsy. Like, yeah, there is a way to go about doing that. Like I really liked some of the Capodimonte porcelain when I was in Naples Mm -hmm. and they're just like, I didn't do a lot of shopping while in Naples. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that I like is the more vintage stuff. And the thing that I like the most is on Cherish. Right. And it's still going to make me think of Naples because that's course. where I like discovered it. That's where it. you learned and about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And where you
2: came to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Like you can learn about this stuff on a trip, buy it elsewhere, and it can still have meaning about the trip. I also think you just have to embrace the eclecticism of the stuff you acquire while traveling and just know that your whole home's not going to all be, you know, perfectly matched. Yeah. I don't know, but I think that does probably also suffers to bring this back to packing once again. For you always say that you think my packing issue is that I think I'm going to be a different person when I go to a different city. Mm-hmm. And maybe Does thinks she's going to be a different person when she comes home.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, it has deep psychological roots. This issue, mm-hmm. like not being able to make a good
0: salad at a salad bar, <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, that's the show. Hi, Claire and Erica, um, longtime fan here. I'm just catching up on old episodes, and I heard you um, talking about Helen Huang's delightful romance novels in a episode from a few months back. And I just wanted to call you in on some inclusive autism language, so. I am uh, similar to Helen Upperson, who discovered I was autistic when I was in my late 20s, and I learned a lot about kind of the best language to use around these things. So, rather than saying high functioning and low functioning, typically in the autistic community, we say um, people with higher or lower support needs because it is, you know, a spectrum in the sense that everybody has different support needs in different areas, and one is not, you know, of any sort of higher value than another, and those functioning labels tend to have more uh, damaging sort of connotations. Um, We don't use the word Asperger's, which I think you even said, because the man who that is named after is a Nazi, essentially, so we try to stay away from that. And also, rather than saying a person with autism, typically people who are are (laughs) autistic use the phrase that they are autistic because it is an identity and a neurotype rather than a disease but anyway overall thank you so much for including Helen Heinz book in your conversation and I hope this was helpful it's definitely language that I've learned a lot about recently and yeah so hope that helps and love the pod always